Hi, I'm Taylor Carmen. I teach philosophy at Barnard College, Columbia University, and I write and teach about things like phenomenology and existentialism and hermeneutics and truth and beauty and the meaning of life and all that. Oh, thanks for bringing hermeneutics in. That's a new thing for today. Um, and I'm Eric Kaplan. I'm a TV writer in Hollywood with a PhD in philosophy. And this is Terrifying Questions and How Not to Be Terrified by Them, which is a philosophy and comedy podcast in which we think about terrifying questions, reflect on them, talk about them so that we can reach a state of equanimity and courage. Yeah, it's an admirable goal, and I hope we achieve it or at least courageously attempt it. Um, what's our terrifying question this week? So this week, our terrifying question is this. Would you do bad things if you knew that you could get away with it? Yeah, and 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 we have a special guest, don't we, Taylor? We do. We have Fred Armisen, who is the co-creator and co-starred in the sketch comedy series Portlandia and the mockumentary series Documentary Now and the comedy series Moonbase, and he's appeared in numerous films, and he plays the drums and the guitar. That's right. Hi, Fred. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. So this is our question. Would you do bad things if you knew that you could get away with it? Uh, I don't think there's such a thing as getting away with anything. Ah, interesting. Why not? Because uh, there's yourself. Ah. And that's kind of, you know, the, the major uh, component. Interesting. It depends on what scale. If you sort of pause for a stop sign as opposed to like making a full stop but i, I don't yeah. i don't know if you could consider that bad but yeah. um but you sure if, as far as the law goes i guess it is illegal so um i've often wondered about little things like i don't do because i think they're wrong but they do seem trivial like shoplifting why don't i just grab some bubble gum on the way out of the store does anybody really care does it really make a difference you can get in real trouble for it i don't think it's the moral crime of the century but i wouldn't do it and I don't know if that's a moral thing or a legal thing. I'm, I've been taught that you don't do that and you can get in trouble for it, which is probably the main reason I don't do it. And I wonder how many other things might be like that. But I'm just afraid of the consequences. Yeah. But Fred, is there anything that you want where there's a, it's in scarce supply? Is there anything that I want that is in scarce supply? I'm thinking of like maybe you've, you want to have a a major movie greenlit and they're only going to greenlight 100 movies this year so like you might want it yeah but but if there's something that I, but if it's something that is um out of reach for me then it wasn't uh meant to be mm -hmm. so i guess what i was thinking was like imagine um imagine they were you had a script and it's a fantastic yeah. script and somebody else had a script that was pretty good but not as fantastic yeah and you could cause him to like like be late to the meeting. Like you could no, slash no, the tires no, no. on his car so he no. wouldn't make it, and then your movie would get made. Would no, you do that? Because, no way. No, but also because uh, chances are I'd be in that person's movie anyway. I'd make my, you know, just make my way onto that set. Uh, or I'd be, or I'd be befriend that person and help them out with their script. I mean, who's to say what is, uh, you know, fantastic? Like what's a good script and what's a bad script? Who cares? Sometimes there are terrible scripts and it's a fun movie anyway. I've gone to see movies that have been great. So it, there's, you know, it's not for me to say whether a script is deserving. And it's not also not that important to me, like, oh, I have to get this made. Um, the things that I've pitched that haven't gotten made, I, I don't care. They're just... So have you, so have you never had a wicked desire? Uh... You might not be the best person for this question, because if you never have a <laughs> bad desire in your life, then you're like, what's all the fuss? 
I don't think ambition is a bad desire. No, well, let's have you ever had a bad desire of any kind? A bad desire. I don't know if I could really call it bad because if it's a, a desire, chances are, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's a, a feeling, if it's a want that's in my head, I don't think that it could be, it could be thought of as bad. Because what's the difference between a thought of like, you know, a plane going down in flames? So here's a desire. I, one time I was late for a flight and uh, I was on standby. And then, the, you know, the, I, I was like, oh, but I, I could still make it onto this flight. I think I'll, I'm fine. And then they started calling out all these names and then I wasn't on the flight. Mm-hmm. Right. I ended up not on the flight and I got so mad. I was like, What? And I had a wish. I even said it out loud. I kind of whispered it. And I said, I hope that plane goes down in flames. Right. But it's not. But so if that's my desire, it doesn't mean it's like it's still not bad because it's just a thought. I thought you were going to say maybe like they would have to refuel and delay for 30 minutes and then you would get on the plane or something. No, no. That, that kind of anger was just like, ah, it's like a rage of the moment, especially with, yeah. with flights. But So I would describe uh-huh. that differently. I, I would say... It is a bad desire, but you just didn't, you didn't assent to it. Like you, it, if it's just, what I mean by a bad desire is like, if you had acted on it, that would have been bad. You know, I don't know if you've got friends in, in, you know, you know, special forces or something, but if you had sent a text to your guy. Agreed. And like, that would have been bad. Yes. But then, but, the, but so then. I'm saying it, the then desire it, then it, is for a bad thing. That's what I mean for a, a, by a bad desire, a desire for a bad outcome. Yes. So you've had but those. There was one. Yes, there's. There was that one about yes, the desire yeah, yeah. for all those people die, yeah. out of petulance. But you didn't really want it to happen, though. I think of, it sounds of, like what you're describing is a kind of fantasy that you can that's gratifying to yourself a little bit. If, if push come to shove, if you could wave a magic wand or push a button, you wouldn't have actually made it happen. Correct. But in that moment, yeah, you know, it's a it's um a sort of blinding. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. You can enjoy the thought for a little bit. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm yeah. interested in the thing you started off at the very beginning where you said, like, you would never do something bad because you could never get away with it because yourself would somehow be harmed yeah. mm-hmm. by doing something bad. What do you mean by that? Mm. Um, because you're, you're your own witness. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like the literal feeling of, you know, let's take let's take that shoplifting example. There's the stress. Mm. You're actually causing the thought that oh, I might get caught, or that you know someone might yeah. know that I stole this gum or whatever it is. Uh, but then there's also the uh, it's kind of unexplainable the um, general feeling for the rest of the day. Yeah, um, and I also think a moral assessment like, do I want to be the person who steals gum at the store? It's like it harms my self-image because. I didn't have to do that. I mean, I'm not, if I was starving, gum wouldn't help much anyway. But I mean, it's not like I'm, I have no money and I desperately need chewing gum. It's sort of. Yeah. But is, is that the Freudian superego? Is that like the voices of our parents or teachers sort of rattling around in our brains? And it's also sort of new age philosophers, you know, who'll write like a little blurb in something where it kind of does settle in where they'll say, you know, yeah. it does kind of permeate. Your, your thoughts. It's funny because, you know, when you said that right at the beginning, I thought, wow, we've sort of reached the end in a way because that's exactly what Socrates says in the Republic. In, the, in Plato's Republic, they're talking about a case like this. Well, fill us in on that. Socrates, Plato, who were they, Taylor? Right. <laughs> they were ancient Greek philosophers in about 400 BC. 
and Socrates was Plato's teacher. Socrates didn't write anything, but Plato wrote down all these dialogues featuring Socrates as a character. And in the second book of the Republic, they're considering this uh, story about Gyges. He's mentioned in Herodotus, but without the following twist, which is that Plato's brother, Glaucon, has this story where he says Gyges found a ring uh, and he put it on his finger and he found that if he turned it, it would make him invisible and then he could do anything he wanted. And what did he do? Well, he seduced the king's wife and then he killed the king and took over the throne. And Glaucon's point is that anybody would do that. Nobody could resist the temptation to do all kinds of bad things if they had the invisibility ring and they knew they wouldn't get caught. Let's, and that's the question. Yeah, let's, let's deal with that right now because I think that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool story. Fred, if you had the ring of Gyges, would you live your life differently in any way, shape, or form? So what, to turn invisible? Yeah, you could turn invisible anytime you want. Yeah, you could you turn invisible. And let's update it. You can't be detected by any human, by any human means at all. It's not just like, oh, they'll throw a flower on you. Like, that. that's not an interesting there's, philosophical question. There's all kinds of... It, I've wondered whether your clothes turn invisible or do you have to take your clothes off before you go do evil things. You're, you're just... It's a ring that takes away shame. Oh, this is easy. This is easy. Um, first thing I would do is all the places in the world and in life where I'm not allowed, absolutely, what is the war room like? Oh, interesting. In Washington or in the Pentagon. Ah, good. Or in in Moscow. Uh-huh. What, what are those rooms? Not Also, by the way, not that I'm interested in the military. How do people talk? What is the secret language they use? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is, uh, what, what are their badges look like? Uh-huh. What are some, because it's such a secretive, these are secretive places to be, um, what's like, what's their tone? Do they curse? Do they, you know, uh, do they make jokes? Yeah. Um, you can walk around the Kremlin and yeah. see how things are done what's there. What's the real, you, my, yeah. my, I sort of, I have this thought that maybe it's probably not as impressive, impressive as we think it is. The most special rooms I've ever been to turn out to just be rooms, you know? Um, what were you hoping they would be like deep down if you could voice the the wish of like what's the coolest thing that you were disappointed to not see in the special room it would be the technology of like sort of like futuristic a 3d table Uh that has like uh and then them having access to things that i never would have dreamed them knowing you know i think both sides. I don't know why I'm picking these sides. I just mean any military operation, just like mm. the knowledge they actually possess that they can't act on. Uh, it must be amazing. There are horrifying stories about people operating drone strikes where they're looking at a screen and they can see the people they're about to annihilate. It's really terrifying. They can. My friend was in, he was a fighter pilot in the uh, first Iraq war. And he was supposed to drop a bomb on a um, what was supposedly a terrorist camp. Mm-hmm. And then he figured out in the last minute it wasn't. It was just some people having a party and he called it off. Oh, wow. And he was a colonel in the Air Force. But that's what he's most proud of in his whole career. But it kind of makes you wonder how many people are walking around knowing that they didn't call it off, you know, and don't care. You can be sitting at a desk in Washington, D.C. looking at a screen and with a click of a button have people's lives. So, yeah, there are amazing technologies that let people see things going on. But you've had experiences where you expected something like that and then you were disappointed to see that it was... Not, not, it's not... Two guys in a laptop or something. (laughs) It's it's less like, it's not disappointment. It's actually really nice. It's a nice thing about life uh, when you finally get invited to like a room that's supposed to be special. And it's certainly special 
special. Yeah. It is just a room <laughs> or it is just a building. And yeah. there are doorknobs that work like every other doorknob. There's like oh, I see what you someone mean. has to give you directions to where, like, where the bathroom is, and <laughs> which is nice. Were the people ever special? Were you ever be like, like, I never met a king before. And then you meet a king and like, this king is pretty kingly. He's, he's kinglier than a common man. Yes, I've, I've had that experience. And then what I like about that is that uh, it, it's like, it's gratifying. Like, oh, the world does work in good ways that mm -hmm. this person who is meant to be, for example, prince, if that's supposed to be, if that's a prince is supposed to be, and then he really is like prince. Mm -hmm. He like through his DNA earned that, you know, to fill that space. He lived up to the title. Yeah. And it goes yeah. for any 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 greats that I get to meet. Let, let's circle back to this question of how much of being a good person is dependent upon fear of social judgment, um, which is what Plato is getting at through this Ring of Gyges. So you said the first thing that you'd want to do is to satisfy your curiosity. Is there any curiosity that, on some sense, you can understand why you shouldn't satisfy it? Like in some sense, it's knowledge you don't have a right to, but you would take it anyway if you were invisible. I can't think of one. What would that be? You can't think mm. of one. Like I kind of think like, huh, I wonder what people talk about me when I'm not around. I would. I could find out. I would do not. I would never. <laughs> that's the opposite of that ring. That's like a, it's, you're, by the way, you're suddenly visible because if you're hearing what people are saying about you, you you're no longer invisible. You're like the main player in that conversation. And I don't want to know. You don't want to know. Kinda, it, no, and it's none of my business. It's none of my business. Yeah, I agree with you at that. Can you imagine if everybody had a ring of gaijis? Sure. <laughs> That's a separate hypothesis, but oh my God, what the trouble. And besides, yeah, if you heard if you heard the terrible things that they said about you, what would you say to them the next time you met them when you you've were You've ruined. You couldn't just pretend you didn't know it, right? <laughs> you've ruined everything. Yeah, because it also, you know, <laughs> when you talk bad about someone, it's almost like a different voice. It's like another part of you that isn't real. So if I say I hate so and so, whatever, some politician or something, it's just not, it's not real. It's like uh, so it's not it's not fair to hear someone talk bad about you and then judge them on it. It's like have you ever had the thought though that if there's some world leader and I'm not going to name names to reveal my own, but just if I could hit a button and just like if that person just had a heart attack, you know? Yes. Wouldn't things yes. be better if I could just yes. do that? And like, and no one would know I yeah. did it. The Ring of Gyges is a little like that. The trick, though, is could I do it with a clear conscience? Because I trick myself into thinking I could have a clear conscience. Because after all, you couldn't. All I did was this magical sort of thing where I hit a button, and then that person has a heart attack magically, and it's not I, I, you know, it's not on me. That's like the manga Death Note. If you guys are familiar with that, what's that? I'm not. Oh, that's good. It? That's a. Um, it's kind of like a retelling of Crime and Punishment, but this guy is given mm. a book by the God of Death. And if he writes in the book, someone will die when and in what manner it'll happen. So he has the ability to cause death without ever getting caught. That's um, like my fantasy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And sometimes I think that would be great. Let, let's take a little break. I mean, it's, I think so Taylor is a murderer and the only thing stopping him is the threat of punishment. <laughs> no. Fred has no bad desires at all and barely understands the idea. And I, I might don't like be the in way the this middle. is unfolding. I, I, just, I don't I'm not liking the way this is making me look so far. So <laughs> I don't think you'd do it. I don't think you would do it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, let's take a little break.
Okay, we're back from our break. We're back from our break. Okay. So, Fred, you don't think Taylor <laughs> would commit murder if he could get away with it? No, I know what he means. And we all have our politicians who, like, we have our wishes. That's just, let's just say it's natural. Let's just say these days things are pretty, pretty tense. <laughs> but I think even though we think that we would press that button, I, I think in the end just as a human being, it would just weigh on you. Even if the worst person, you're just like, damn it, you know, because then you can't go through the rest of your life going, oh, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> like you go to a party. Oh, my you're God, right. I'm so glad I'm not a murderer. <laughs> and then in that moment, you've got to sit sit there with that. The magical quality of it tempts you into thinking you somehow weren't really responsible because the causal link has been sort of cut yeah. by this magic. And so there's this wonderful song. I should have looked it up before we started. Do you know the Magnetic Fields and uh, Stephen Merritt, this great songwriter, one of their songs is I Wish I Had an Evil Twin. And there's this wonderful line where he says the evil twin could do all these terrible things because, you know, and no, no one would know that it was me. But evil's not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so he's having all these fantasies of getting revenge on all these people. But his, his hands wouldn't be clean at all. I'm worried we're being a little pious here because... Oh, yeah. I know there is plenty of people who, if they have the ability to, like, call up an assistant in the middle of the night and have them get them the kind of pineapple they want will do that. And they don't need a ring of gaijis, or they just need the modern equivalent of a ring of gaijis, which is privilege, like being the boss. I know plenty of people who, when they become the boss, will, I don't think they murder people because they don't have to, or maybe they wouldn't, or maybe that's not what they want, but they will break the golden rule. You know, they will wake someone up in the middle of the night to make something a tiny bit easier for them, <laughs> you know? So there are people who do bad things, and I don't want this discussion to make it seem like nobody ever does bad things and we're just like... But, it, how is, but let's talk about that then. How is that bad? How is it bad? How is that a bad thing? Well... How is that bad? Let me think of an example. Um, like I knew a guy who wanted... Um, he wanted his dry cleaning to be waiting for him in, in... I think it was Malibu. And he was working in Studio City. Now, I know he was working in Burbank. So he called his assistant and said drive out to Malibu, pick up my dry cleaning, which is sort of two minutes away, leave it in my closet, and then leave so that when I show up, my dry cleaning is waiting for me in my closet. And therefore, this person had to drive for three hours on the freeway to save him the slight inconvenience of picking up his dry cleaning. Isn't that bad? I think it's bad. No. Why is it not bad? I, there's, I, I, there's, he's paying this person. Right. That's that person, you know, that person signed on for that job. By the way, drive to a couple of minutes to get dry. I'll do that job. Drive? Fantastic. I'd love to be in a car. I'd love to go pick up dry cleaning. That sounds like it. <laughs> oh, the assistant had to drive three hours, though. Three hours. Great. I, what's, what, is there anything better than a long drive? Honestly. <laughs> right? Turn on the radio, a little air conditioning. Go pick up dry cleaning. Most of your job is sitting. But much of your job is being done in a state of fear. You're scolded. There's much scolding in that kind of job. Well, you didn't add that part of okay, the story. Okay, I'll add that part of the story. Okay. Okay, so you'll add that part of the Scolding, uh, you know, it, it, it takes two people to be in that relationship. That's up to that uh, assistant to say, I'm not, this is something I'm not going to uh -huh. do. I'm not picking up the phone in the middle of the night. And as soon as you start scolding me, I'm, I, don't need to be at this mm -hmm. job. But scolding, okay, that's a bad thing. Sure. 
Okay, so let's let's just posit that scolding is bad, <laughs> um, and and we're tempted to scold people because I don't know why. Why do people scold people? I guess it feels good that you know you get to be like a, a two-year-old tantruming baby, and no one can stop you. You get to just scold whoever you want. Um, if you could get away with it, why not scold people? I guess I'm just looking for an example of something where it's sort of like. It's a bad desire. That's look, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. I'll, let, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Like scolding. Deliberately causing pain and fear because it'll make you feel better. Scolding someone. Um, I once had at an apartment, a cable guy said, your cable box, your the cables are behind this panel, this behind this wall. You have to rip out the shelving that's in here. You have to rip this out today because it's so I can get to the cables. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yep, that's where it is. So I ripped it apart, my own shelves. Unscrewed some of them. Some of the, some of the wallpaper came off or whatever, the paint came off. I take this whole thing off and he looks on the other side of the closet and he goes, oh, that's where the cables are. <laughs> And I was pretty mad. I was like, you just had me take this whole thing down and you didn't even look across to see that the cables are behind. So my tone was scolding. I don't know that it made me feel better. I don't think it was good. So let's say that that's a, a bad thing. It just came out in anger. Mm -hmm. It's not always bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, it seems to me that's reasonable. Yeah, in your case, you seem to deserve a little scolding. So maybe next time he'll be a little <laughs> I know, but I could have, but I could have, could have said this is frustrating i wish you had looked on the other side in the future you know can you come back tomorrow because i don't feel like now i don't feel like putting this shelf back up i don't know something like that um i mean i didn't go nuts but i did raise my voice he knew that i was mad you know eric i have the temptation you're talking about in restaurants with waiters waitresses when the food is taking a long time to get there or they bring the wrong thing there's little trivial mistakes and I find in myself an impulse, I'm not proud of this, but they're so subservient and they're so willing to sort of take the blame and please you and whatever, that it's kind of tempting to exploit that. It's kind of tempting to be impatient. And when people, you know, when people get mad at the waiter, some people really do seem to kind of enjoy the power that they've got. Because here's somebody, they've got a boss, you're always right because you're the customer, and you know that if you shame them or scold them you'll get something that you want i know that temptation and i think uh fred do you um, know that temptation i'm not like i say i'm not proud of it but yeah but i i don't it doesn't come from power it comes from hunger uh -huh. hunger oh, it's like <laughs> when and i do something very i'm, I'm gonna say this is passive aggressive um if uh -huh. i sit down and they hand me a menu and they just don't take my order for a long time yeah I, that's when i start to feel it where i'm like oh this is gonna take a while yeah the rest is gonna take a while I just leave. And yeah, yeah. But well, that's, it's, maybe that's better. But it's an angry move because I do. It, I know it, what it's, you mean. It, it just feels very like, oh, this is the game you're going to play. I will never come back here again. I will never. That's a little bit of that's a little bit of power, though, isn't it? Because what I I feel like if that happens to me, I start feeling I'm not being respected. Yes. And that gets my pride up, and that's when I want to scold. I want to say, you can't treat me like that. And then I think to myself. 
but this is a completely imbalanced position. This person is working for a wage. I can eat anywhere I want, and I'm lucky to have people bringing me my food. And here I am sort of feeling like <laughs> if you don't really show me respect, I'm going to start punishing you for it. I, it's ugly. It's really horrible. It, it is uh, ugly. To, I mean, my, yeah. my resentment goes further than that. And my anger is less about the waitstaff and more about why did you open this business if you don't have a system working? Yeah, out? yeah, yeah. And the grocery store, then, when there's not enough cash yeah. registers going, I'm mad at the management. Like, why don't you get yeah. more cash registers when there's a long line of people? It's the only thing you need to do. <laughs> it's, the, it's all that we're asking right. for. You don't have to have your shelves fully stocked. But when we have our stuff, I'm ready to, I just want to be out of I've here. I've never actually wanted the manager to have a heart mm -hmm. attack like I have with some world leaders. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do want that ring so I can look at the war room of the supermarket and just kind of see how they <laughs> See what planned. the hell they were talking about when they were yeah. planning. Yeah. Even if you have no right to it. No, that's less. That was more of a joke. I don't know. It would, yeah. I understand. That would be, that would be too boring. Well, I guess what, I, what I'm running into here is it seems like neither of you wants to do anything bad. <laughs> so therefore, if you had the ability to do things bad, you wouldn't because you just don't want to. Is that right? I didn't quite say that. I th I'm not quite sure. You didn't say that. I might do some you bad things. You might have dark desires. But Fred, you don't have dark desires. Well, we're all human beings. And I think, and as a matter right. of fact, since we're all human beings, even calling something dark, I'm like, I don't know if it's a human trait. Mm -hmm. It's like this judgment, you know, this self-judgment that I'm like, I don't know if, if even if that's correct. Well, so what about Glaucon, who's like, I would seduce the queen and kill the king and become king myself. None, none of none of that desire. interests me because you don't want to do that. No, because what? What's the fun in it? What's the like? Also, to become why be king? <laughs> yeah, and also if you need to be king, you're not really king. That's a job. I don't think it ended well for Gaijis, by the way. It didn't end well it, for Gaijis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so. Was it because they poured flour on him? Like, <laughs> okay. did it one of those cheeses? In the Plato case, I'm not sure they talk about that. In Herodotus, I think the the actual story was he did kill the king and usurp the throne, and maybe he seduced the wife, and who knows. Um, but it didn't end well. So uh, that's a prudential worry, though. Like, maybe it won't turn out well. Are we coming around... Do we think that vice is its own punishment? Sometimes. Or we think there is no such thing as vice. Oh, I was going to say this. But, but you, Fred, you said a second ago there is no such thing as a no, dark that, desire. No, I don't mean it like black and white, like there's no such thing as a dark desire. I'm just saying that like... Are there darker desires? Judging from what we see in the news, certainly. Okay, so let's come up with an example. What's an example of a darker desire? Well, it wouldn't be a dark desire of mine. Okay, fair but enough. I, I, but also, I don't like exploring that world. Even in conversation. Okay, you don't want to talk about it. It's not that I'm not, it's just that like going into uh, the right and wrong about, of crime is, I, I, what can I add to that? That, that, there are, that there are mass murderers. I think there's something slightly pious about judging desires. Like Fred was saying earlier, that, you know, how inert can a desire be and still be subject to this kind of judgment? Because there's some like desires that are just idle. They're completely idle. They'll never issue an action. And that's kind of harmless. Let's take something that's not so lurid. Uh, just a failure to help. Ah, okay. Like there's somebody who, who could help somebody mm. and they just choose not to. And let's say that's, that in this case, it's the desire for comfort and not to be bothered versus getting out of your comfort zone and helping somebody else. Fantastic example. And I would be definitely guilty of that. Mm -hmm. I'm guilty of that, too. 
Now, so if no one would ever know, in fact, maybe the uh, maybe the opposite. Maybe everybody would think that you are a super helpful person because whatever you have a magic button <laughs> that'll make everyone think you have a you are super helpful. You've got a publicist or something like that. Is there a reason to help to get out of your comfort zone and help people, even if no one will give you any props for it, or even maybe people will like think you're right, you're what right, a creep, <laughs> you know, just because pe people's opinions sure, are sure. are pretty fickle and that's unreliable. A, that's a that's a tricky one because that's like what have we all really done to help? I, I'm not even I'm not even in the sort of cliche way of helping like charities mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, but just like getting through your day, seeing people around you. Yeah, like you could have a friend who you knew from high school and talking to this guy is just super boring and he's got all these problems he's got a weird operation he needs and just to spend an hour talking to him is going to make his life better and it's yeah. kind of going to make your life worse and you've got more fun things to do <laughs> you've got neutral things to do and this is going to be sort of authentically kind of a drag is there any reason to do it if no one's going to know and no one's going to care i mean in this case he's going to know but let's say no one cares what he thinks <laughs> you know that's a it's a good example of where i've made the choice i, I don't even think about it mm -hmm. this isn't the hour that i feel like talking to this friend it could be uh right and there's also like uh i mean that's a real the, the the idea of helping someone through conversation perfect example because we i mean you just don't feel like getting on the phone. With the charity stuff and donations and so on, we're already invisible. It's already easy to be invisible because nobody really knows who donated and some people donated anonymously. And you can actually get away with yeah. just being under the radar about that. And nobody's going to really ask you because it's 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 no. not really polite to start prying into because we take that to be private. And so uh, we already get away with a lot of stuff that maybe we think we really should help this person with some money for a GoFundMe thing for a sick child, for example, and uh, they've got a lot of rich friends. I don't need to worry about that. And Yeah, um, yeah. Or I just don't feel like it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like it, yeah. And just like my life, I wake up, I exercise, I get to do a podcast. That's pretty fun. I'm going to have lunch with my friend. Um, what am I going to do after that? I'm going to go for a walk, maybe read a book, and meet another friend, and go to sleep. So it's a pretty good day I have planned out for myself. And to get on the phone and talk to some guy about, like, his skin condition, <laughs> it's going to make my day a little bit worse. Like, why should I do it if no one's going to know and no one's going to care? Or I have um, friends who I know are going through a rough time. Do I do enough to check? Yeah. I mean, I sort of hear about it. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, man, that's a drag. As opposed to calling um, and actively trying to help not just waiting waiting for right. them to ask but just getting in there right so you have the ring of gaijis which is just people's natural desire not to bug each other that is the ring of gaijis we're all yeah. sort of going under the radar about mm -hmm. stuff like that is there a reason we shouldn't is there a reason we shouldn't uh well so i'm the bad thing like we were like seducing the queen and killing the king. That sounds like something nobody older than 14 really wants to do. <laughs> so we're coming up with a better example, which is going through my day and not calling my friend who's going yes. through a hard time. That's our example of seducing the queen <laughs> sure. and killing the king. Is there a reason 
But we have a we don't even need a ring of gaijis because no one's going to give us <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> so we have a ring of gaijis, which is just no one cares except for that. Is there a reason? But that it would mean the world to that friend, right? Now, so you had started off saying, um, "I would know." Yeah. And you were like, "You can't stand the witness of yes. yourself." But you can stand the witness of yourself, right? Sure. Because you didn't call your friend. Sure, so clearly... sure, but here we are talking about it. So it has taken right. up space in my day and in my thoughts. Right. And sure, it hovers around. That said, would that go away if I called them? I think the force of the challenge, which is Glaucon saying, look, anybody really, even if they say the opposite, if they had the ring, they would do all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't do otherwise. Glaucon's pretty cynical about this. He thinks everybody would do stuff if they could get away with it that they know they shouldn't do. And and again, Socrates thinks that's not right. And he, he thinks that you've got something like a conscience that really should matter to you. And for some people, the good people, it really matters to them whether they're doing the right thing or not. And it doesn't, external validation doesn't really matter. But I think it's very hard to separate these things sharply. That's to say, the thing that's so powerful about the challenge, about the Ring of Gyges, is that a lot of what you think is just purely internal, your own conscience, how you feel about yourself, is stuff you have acquired from your culture, from what your parents told you, from what everybody told you. You've, you've soaked that up, and so you've internalized it. And the really, I think, the terrifying question here is, all the things you think of as your own inner conscience, that inner voice of you telling yourself what's right and wrong and that you won't be able to live with if you do a bad thing, a lot of that, and I'm not going to say all of it, a lot of it is stuff you were told when you were young and you got used to thinking and used to doing and it's become ingrained because it's kind of the habit of the culture. Now, I don't think that's all there is to it, but that's really, that's why it's such a powerful question and a disturbing question, I think. Maybe the thing you think is your own private conscience is really you're just repeating what everybody more or less says is right and wrong. Well, let's just start today and not worry about where it came from because Fred is saying he's split. Yeah. He's saying part of him wants to call his friend who's going through a part of a hard time and part of him wants to have a comfortable day and not do that. And I'm with Fred. I feel the same way. I feel split. Like St. Augustine said, I know what's right, but I don't do it. What do you think, Fred? How, how is it even possible? I'm just thinking of the ego. This is another side of it, of thinking that my presence will fix everything. That's the other thing uh -huh. where I'm like, so that, that's a, it's a sort of separate category, but also, okay, my friend... I should call and check in so I could be helpful. There is a little bit of ego to that of like, because when I call, I will make things better. Yeah. And I might, but also it just might be a call from someone that this person, you know, another friend. And it might not be that helpful. I'm not giving this as an excuse not to do it. I just want to add that. Right. That I could be sitting here thinking there is some ego to that of, oh, I, could, I can really help. This person might be, but this person might have enough friends looking after them. Right. But what if they don't? I, I guess I, I'm sort of suggesting in a in a polite way because we don't really know each other, so I shouldn't be saying it. So don't get mad. But maybe it is an excuse. Okay, it could be. It <laughs> you could know? be. Oh no no yeah. no! I don't um, dwell on that side of it. I was just adding that as a little tidbit. Okay. I There's no part of me that's yeah. like, I, That's not the most active part of that thought. Okay. Because that's a sort of footnote that we could put towards anything. Anytime anyone does anything, it's like, but maybe it won't work. True. Maybe it won't. Okay, how's this? I'm going to answer honestly without a okay. filter because this thought just came to me. My fear 
is that it's going to open the door for asking for more. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like, I'm so glad right. you called and I'm so glad you helped. Yeah. Can you please fly out here right. and help me get this house cleaned out? Yeah. Yes, I could use your help. There's two trucks I need to hire. Can you come out here? I don't have a driver's license. Can you, you know, or whatever. I don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. And then that, I think maybe that's what my fear is. Yeah. Fear or, or whatever. That's my resistance to it is it equals right you know yeah yes as a matter of fact you know fear is something we haven't talked about yet but that's another thing um like like i will often like i'll tell a lie at work because i don't want to get fired mm -hmm. you know and and socrates wouldn't dig that because he'd say I'm damaging my own soul yeah. by telling a lie and my soul really wants to be a truth teller and my soul is not too concerned about going to work. That's something my <laughs> body is more concerned about. My, my soul doesn't care about getting fired. So that's another example where I think maybe I damage my own soul by telling that lie and maybe you damage your own soul by not, um, by not at least facing the fear that your friend might ask you to fly out and then use having to say, you know what, I'm not going to. Oh, right. You know, it's true. as opposed to like hiding. Why is yeah. that not the option? Right, right. But it's difficult. It's so funny that like that doesn't even occur to you. So you're like, well, I can't. Right. I, I, I can't fly yeah. out there right now. Yeah. I can't. I, I won't. I, won't. <laughs> you know, I wish I but could. Just, but the comfort, yeah. I wish I could, but I can't. But the comfort, like part of us, and I don't want to call it the body because that seems so like self-flagellating, but some uh, some part of me s loves the comfort of not having the difficult yeah. conversation. And yet I feel proud of myself when I do have I know, the difficult conversation. Yeah. Is that a lesson that we're just going to keep learning all the way up until we die? I think so. Probably. Yeah, yeah. There's all this stuff which you know it's the right thing, it's the honest thing, and it's difficult, and you want to. It would be so much easier to take the path of least resistance and avoid this. And when you actually confront it, maybe it's not that difficult because you might say, "Look, I just can't do it," and they might say, "Oh, okay, that's all right." And then what was the big deal? I mean, it turned out not to. They're not going to like torture you and say, "Come on, come on, come on, aren't you really my friend?" and so on. <laughs> yeah. So why? Fred, why do we need to keep learning this lesson? If it feels better to be honest and authentic, why are we always tempted not to? I wish I knew. I really wish I knew. And we all know it on a very, there's like evidence. We see daily mm. evidence and we even admire people who are honest mm. all the time. Wow. That's honest or courageous. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when someone's like, you just sort of, even in, at a dinner saying, oh, this is not really what I like, but whatever, whatever it is. It's always yeah. admirable, um, but for some reason, you know, we, we, it's almost like it's the disguises that it's, it's being polite, but I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I wish I had a good answer. Do you have a guess? You don't have to come up with, these are hard questions. Do, like, do you even have a guess? Let's try and get some guesses on the table. My guess, if, it were, if it's me, mm -hmm. I want to get through moments quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't want to linger in a moment. So... Uh, you know, this cake is delicious. This is not the kind of cake I like. I just feel like uh -huh. it slows down the moment. I feel like we all want to just enjoy that dessert right. and get home. Why would you want to get through your life quickly? Easy. Like, it's, I, it's, that is part of, yeah, there's ease to it. 
it's I think it's a little bit if we're talking about personalities, it's kind of the way I am too. I, you know, I want to go to a show, enjoy a show, and let's right. get through it. Let's get through it. When when I perform, same thing. I don't I don't really linger. I try not to, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just me. Travel, I I don't like when I travel. I don't like. I'm spending two weeks. I I like four days. Mm-hmm. Four days is just right. But you know the funny thing is. And like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> but like, imagine having an excruciating moment where like you say something that's really hard to say. And that moment can stretch on for eternity. And yet it's kind of cool that it did stretch on for eternity. Like it feels like, oh, I'm really tasting my life. I'm not rushing through my life. Sure. Those are great moments. But I like to control how long, how many of those I'm going to Maybe control. Oh, I think something. that's right. Let's take yeah. a little break and come back and talk about mm-hmm. control. that was a good break the breaks are fake by the way um they're not real breaks no no breaks are fake so that this is it's it's kind of like we we keep tasting the same paradox and coming at it from different angles because the first paradox was if the most meaningful moments are times when we're courageous and authentic why do we avoid them and you put forward the answer because we don't want to slow down but then the qu- same question raises its ugly head again, which is, why don't we want to slow <laughs> Why don't we want to slow I think down? the control thing is really key because th- th- these examples, when you're really honest or you, really, you, off- you call your friend and you talk to them, now you're kind of at their mercy because they could now ask you for more. Or if you say you don't like the cake, mm-hmm. it could put a wrench in the conversation. And it's not just that it'll take up more time, but it's also that now you've kind of ceded control over other people's, you know, uh, reactions. Because now they can say, what do you mean it's not a good cake? I like it. What's the matter with you? And Or there's a conversation to have and you've lost control. You have a feeling of being in control if you can kind of dodge those conflicts and sort of avoid them. And it's not just a matter of efficiency. It's also a matter of feeling like you're you're not being held up by other people's responses. So it's, a, it's like you make yourself vulnerable when you when you are that honest and... And even doing things you know you ought to do to sort of offer your help to people or be honest. Now, they you've 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 given them a kind of gift of, of, you know, determining uh, where the situation is going to go from here too. And you've also made yourself the center of attention. So if mm. it's a party, all of a sudden, the you know yeah. the discussion becomes about how. <laughs> Yeah. Who cares whether I, I don't like, like apples or say who cares? <laughs> Just like let's. <laughs> I don't like it, but never mind. Go on. What, what yeah, you were talking yeah. about? <laughs> but what if you were in a friend group where people were constantly trying to be the best they could and trying to encourage each other to be even more authentic? Then you wouldn't be the center of attention because they would just be like, "Yeah, Fred's trying to be as authentic as he can be in his brief human life. We are too." I've been in situations like that. I think when I hang out with um, comedians, mm-hmm. if there's a group of comedians, there is that feeling of, well, "Let's be honest about how we feel about things." That's a l- different. In that, what's that like? It's it's great because I think we all are entertained by each other. Uh-huh. So it becomes like a little mini show of just hearing people's uh, versions 
of what they like and don't like. So it's an effort to be funny or just an effort to be honest? Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's both. Uh -huh. It's like, they, and they both work. So you're you're probably giving each other the license, I don't know. Like I can never tell in There's roasts. There's a safety. I can never tell how safe it is, is in a roast. Like I always <laughs> sort of think at some point, like I don't want to be roasted. It'll hurt my feelings. Yeah, I'm not in. I'm, It'll hurt I'm my not feelings. Into those. <laughs> yeah, or it's just, they're just one, they're just going one direction. Right. I don't know. I'm glad they make people happy, but I, I do. Do they really... still do that? It seems like a really old fashioned tradition, these roasts. You always see Dean Martin and. Less and less. Yeah, Sammy Davis Jr. and people like that doing these things. It seems like an old fashioned thing to me, but it, it's still done. Yeah. Yeah. It's still done, I think, less and less, but Comedy Central would have it once oh, in a really? while. Okay. Yeah. And um, it mostly seemed like a, it's like a good natured publicity. It's like a show. It's a show. Right, and I see. For example, uh, I think Justin Bieber had mm -hmm. one. Oh, really? Okay. So because he's so uh, successful, it doesn't really hurt. I it's see. You have to have a lot of status. Jokes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's sort of like it's a, there's a safety in that. Right. Like I it's, see. You know, they don't do roasts of people fine. who are scrounging for jobs. Well, that would be I, weird, I wouldn't so. it? If you just found yeah, some guy collecting cans and decided to roast him, you'd be like, "Why are you doing this to this man? Why don't you just give him some money?" Boy, that's a that is a movie we should make. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I wonder, I wonder, do we have any final reflections on why there were two suggestions so far as to why people don't love, like they don't open themselves up to love, even though that makes life better. And one suggestion was, it's Fred, you said it makes life go by sort of quicker and more easily if you don't allow these, these potential things that will like mess things up. And then Taylor, you said that you think people don't like to be vulnerable. And then Fred, you said um, you think people don't like to be the center of attention. Should we get more suggestions on the table, or should is it still a mystery? Are are these suggestions satisfying? Are they the answer? I think there's all kinds of risks involved in being honest, and um, and it's a little like the the Ring of Gaiji's thing is like you take a risk if you're going to do something, maybe you're not sure it's whether the right thing or not if you're visible you're risking the the consequences so the ring is supposed to be like imagine you could avoid all imagine the invulnerability it's a fantasy of in complete invulnerability exactly yeah 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 i've had moments in my life where i've been dishonest and thought that was dumb why did i have to oh, yeah. i had no reason oh, i wish i didn't do that and then i've had moments where i've been honest and had exactly the same result like why did i say that mm -hmm. so I don't know what my conclusion is. It's just that there is, I wish it was as easy as if you just do this, everything will be great. I think there's regret with any. I guess we're thinking about at the end of life, would you rather look back on a life of more honesty, more dishonesty, or a mix? Oh, that's a good mm. We all would, I'm sure we'd all prefer the honest route. Like what about the person who's prospered from their dishonesty, you know? I don't want to name names, but people who like, let's say, hid in a, a <laughs> what was it, hid in a bureau in order to hear what the people were talking about and then use that knowledge. Like, if you're having a great life based upon your dishonesty, do you truly wish you had been honest? Like, Well, let me think about it for a second. Do you mean, I'm, I'm just thinking also that, that there are those people out there at the end of their lives who were dishonest and, uh, you know, the, the I don't know why we keep thinking of politicians who are just fine. <laughs> right. Who just go, they, yeah, they're at their yeah. deathbed and they're like, I worked, you know, I've got a really nice deathbed. Yeah. 
So, uh, I, I mean, but I think also we all, all of us or us three also might get a, <laughs> a chuckle out of the, some of the ways we got out of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's good to be the trickster. It's good if somebody, yeah. if somebody's coming after you and, and you, rather than fight and get creamed, like to have some clever trick that gets you out of the situation can feel kind of good. I like that. When I lived in Chicago, I knew art students. We had, there's a bus pass, a train pass that had a little hologram on it. It was very, it was really intricate. But these artists made these, you know, fake ones and they always fooled the bus driver and, or train conductor or whatever it is. Huh. Um, and it's a great feeling. At the, I think at the end of my life, I might <laughs> go like, oh, that was pretty, yeah. that was uh, fun or interesting or, well, that's a, that was a good little shortcut. Yeah. So, so we're, we're not coming to the end of our lives, but we are coming to the end of the podcast. Does anyone want to say any final conclusion about like, um, like why we should do things even if they're uncomfortable or should we or? I think what's terrifying is something connected to what Fred just said, which is the reason I think a lot of us, even though we're pretty confident that we're pretty good people and we at least normally usually do the right thing and we're not too worried about if I had the ring of Gyges, would I, you know, rape the queen and kill the king and all this terrible stuff. I think the reason it's really disturbing is mostly because we know that the world is full of people who are psychopaths. And they could not care less whether what they're doing is right or wrong, and they will do it. That's scary because it's not. I have a different thing. Hmm. I'm scared by a different thing. I'm scared by a different thing. I'm scared by the idea that everybody could be a whole lot better, and we're just not going for it out of laziness (laughs) or or fear. That's that's what I'm afraid by. (laughs) I see. Those are two valid fears. (laughs) Yeah. They're different, though. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. But but here we are. We we count as people. Yeah. So then, he, you know, at least yeah. we have that thought. At least yeah, that thought exists. You're you know, not alone. Like, yeah. What psychologists say about psychopaths, you know, if you read a lot about psychopathy, you can have this moment of like, oh, my God, am I? Maybe I'm a psychopath. <laughs> and the psychologists I've read say, if you're worried about that you might be a psychopath, you're not. <laughs> Because Absolutely. they don't care. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They don't have that worry. It's not no. a concern to them. But I do I, – yeah, these are two different worries. I think, Eric, you and I are maybe temperamentally different in this regard. I think I think a lot of people are doing kind of the best they can. Okay. And there's so – everybody's lazy a little bit, and I'm pretty lazy. And we shouldn't sort of flagellate ourselves about whether we're perfect or not. But which is more insulting if I say – Taylor, you're doing the best you can, or Taylor, you're not doing the best you can. I, they both seem insulting in different ways. I want three of <laughs> the first and one of the last. Okay. I want I want seventy five. Fred, are you doing the best you can? I think so, and it's not always and it's not you always are. perfect. Okay. But at the end, of, right. oh, I can't, I'm not going to use the cliche of at the end of the day. But I do, uh, I do try to think like, okay, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. That was that was a pretty good day. I think I tried my best. Not not perfect, yeah. but, you know, I, I like the idea of, like, striving for it. And I, I do think about it. I I was talking to somebody, I won't hear name names, too, that was uh, really be doing pretty badly in all kinds of ways. Um, drinking too much and, you know, their own worst enemy in all kinds of ways. And it was hard to stay patient with them. And at one point they said something like, uh, we're all doing the best we can. And I thought it was poignant because even though I really wanted to kind of 
slap this person around a little and say, you're not doing the best you can. <laughs> what I thought was that that comment was a little like a reminder that like, as much as you want to blame, you all should also have some compassion, that you can't just be all blame, even if you're right. Even if you're right to say, you could do a lot better than this. Sometimes you have well, to kind well, of what if the cut best people I slack. can is is blaming that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I, I, I could have said, yeah, and I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, yeah. Like, get up and like blaming the heck out of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to bring up as a separate because you uh, um, you had brought up uh, Plato and Socrates, and you called them ancient philosophers. I was thinking if they could reappear today. Mm. Do you think they would take offense to being called ancient philosophers? Do you think they would go like, <laughs> I, see I don't mean just the age thing. They'd be like, no, no, no. We were like philosophers. We don't, there's no category of like <laughs> when we're from. Why are you doing that to us? That, maybe. They wouldn't have the same historical perspective that we have at all. That's true. They, they, they wouldn't think that makes any difference to anything. That's right. And they would probably wonder what the hell we were talking about when we said ancient. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I think they believe question. that civilization proceeded in endless cycles. I, so I think like, so. Yeah, we're future philosophers yeah. too, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you yeah. believe that we still talk about them? It's so long ago. That's it's incredible. Inc- 2,400 years? That's inc- yeah. I, Older than, um, well, not quite as old as the Old Testament, but almost. Getting there. Uh, I mean, that's a it's long time. It's a long time. time. Yeah. But we're so much closer to them than to the pyramids. The pyramids were already ancient when they... That's their stuff. true too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes can make my students a timeline because you know you talk about Hume and Kant and Descartes or Shakespeare, and you think, wow, so long ago. That was only four or five hundred right. years ago. <laughs> and you see a timeline that's a thousand, fifteen hundred, yeah. two thousand, twenty-five hundred. It's easy to forget when you see it visually. It's like, oh my God, what what happened in those eight hundred <laughs> yeah. years? Apparently, not it's very much. So, <laughs> so much time of nothing. Fred, do you think they do you think they had comedy in the in the Stone Age? Absolutely. Do you think like Definitely. there was. What do you think it was like? <laughs> I think it was very simply impressions of each other. Ah, like a little mimic. So something that wasn't high concept. Ah. Someone, you know, picked up some plants in a certain way. And the person did an impression of how they walk or how they pick up this. And everyone else laughing was like, ah, there you go. There's a... We never think of Neanderthals cool. laughing or joking. Or, but they, they must, must have, have, right? Because humor is a basic yeah. instinct. Yeah. Yeah. They must have. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be so cool if we somehow... Like, you know, there's this idea that um, if you had sufficiently good technology and someone was talking while someone else was throwing a pot, the wet pot, the, the motion of the molecules of the air would affect the pot and it would be like a record so you could listen to it. So <laughs> it's kind of a cool idea that we could listen to a comedy routine from 20,000 years ago if we could extract it I, from I've that heard pot. about someone that. happened to be yeah, throwing a I've pot. I've heard about that, like, because it was still whatever that was still yeah. being formed. Were they waiting for the new technology, the like already saying, sort of getting yeah. a stick and saying, is this yeah. thing on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> One would hope. Okay, did anyone have a final word? I think this was, I'm happy. I'm less terrified than I was this morning. Good. <laughs> Me too, as we always are. Same. Okay. Well, thanks Thanks so much, Fred Armisen, for joining us. Thank you. This was great fun. Thank you. It was.
This podcast is created by Eric Kaplan and Taylor Carmen, produced by Amanda Eberhardt, and edited by me, Taylor Carmen. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Terrifying Questions.